0: Hey, my name is Ev Bennett. Welcome back to the Asod Blocks podcast channel, and this is the Nefshachim series. We are doing foundational transformational Torah. That is the trademark catchphrase of this channel, and the idea here is learning things that both intrinsically transform the way that we think and the way that we experience ourselves, our consciousness and reality, and also things that it sort of makes everything else, even things that we're not learning, uh, start to reveal their secrets to us the more clearly you think in these types of truth-penetrating ways, the more that really spreads into really every aspect of your lives. That's the transformational part also. So we're in the middle of Vav in this book, Nef and we are in this section, the first Haga, the first sort of like uh, self-commenting section inside of Vav by the writer, uh, where he was talking about in the previous part about the story of the Garden of Eden and what happened with this this nachash, the snake, we call in English, um, and the mixing together of Tov and Ra, that after the characters, Adam and Chava, in the story, uh, at that point they were called Ishva Isha. So after they uh, ate from this tree, the fruit of this tree called the Eitzhadas Tovara, so the Eitzhadas Tovara is a tree that, it's the fruit of it, essentially das tovara means you have perception of reality that is what you're interested in and what you are apathetic towards in other words you start to evaluate the world around you through the lens of that which is interesting to you and that which is irrelevant to you and so those are the two uh, sides or two things that the tree essentially added and that really did this this it led to this process that the nefshahim calls that your of Toven ra into uh of ra really into reality that now not only do we have this capacity to perceive reality through the lens of what we want or not interested in uh, but the idea that there is now going to actually be raw type outcomes all over the place in reality that there will be things that will happen that will be raw even in the eyes of hashem even in the way that hashem sees things in reality we can actually because of the way that we now have this way of seeing things more according to our own subjective preferences so that means that now we will operate in reality in ways that bring our subjective preferences into existence in the universe as opposed to just doing sort of bringing what hashem wants into the universe and so when you bring your own subjective preferences into the universe some of those preferences will end up being at odds with the things that hashem uh, perceives as being the purpose of existence and that's what's called ra in the world and not only that since we're working with a framework here where you are a miniature hub of consciousness inside of a network of of interconnected existence where you as conscious fragment or consciousness spark inside of this network and Hashem is sort of like the main hub and you are a, a satellite hub that's further out inside the system. So when you start operating according to your own preferences and bringing Ra according to Hashem's preferences into the world, so then what that leads to is a reverberation of that kind of Ra into the network and starts to actually distort the wirings and connections between the different aspects of existence and of reality, and so that's what we mean here when we say that now there's an irbuvia of ra. So, just to sort, just to pick up from where we stopped reading last time, that's where it says. Um, well, just let's just read the last paragraph that we did last time one more time. Vegam atovatsma. That's where we ended off. In the written, the regular edition of the book, it's Taf Yod Ches, page 18, uh, the third paragraph on the page. Vegam ha Even if you actually have an action. That is intrinsically tov. It is what Hashem prefers. It's what Hashem wants. Uh, It's a reflection of Hashem's will. It's almost impossible for a person to actually do that, for anyone to do that in a way that is really uh, fully dedicated and purely dedicated towards Hashem and clean from any ulterior motives or personal subjective preferences. Without any kind of subjective, like that's what I just said, subjective preferences. Also, you have the 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 converse of that is that if you have an action that is Lotova, um, that is that is that is violating Hashem's will. there's also going to be like a mixing together within that of certain things that are what Hashem wants. In other words, it's very hard to really be purely one way or the other here, to be purely uh, doing things that are your preferences, that are totally ra or doing things that are Hashem's preferences that are totally tov, because now there's so much distortion and so much mixing together of these things. And even if you have a person, who's called a tzadik gamur. Tzadik means a person who is fully in alignment with reality, uh, from the word sodik which means to be right, uh, very often translated as righteous. Uh, but righteous here literally means to be right, like you are actually right about your way of interacting and aligning yourself with what is, so you are in harmony with truth. So if you are a tzaddik amur, a total tzaddik, someone who is fully like this, which is obviously uh, sort of like a model that is very, it's really not possible to ever really achieve a full tzaddik amur, but we have to discuss what exactly that means. Um, so he says, as, it's really what he's about to write. Shuma he never really did anything at tzaddik amur, never really did, it, never really did an action that was really low tova. He never really engaged in conversations that were completely empty. There was no, there was no distorted expression of ra through this person. It's impossible. It's basically impossible for every one of his actions that he did that were tov, that were what Hashem's, what Hashem wanted, um, for them to actually fully be. Complete and aligned with Hashem—it's almost impossible that, that, that there wouldn't be in at least one of these. Uh, that that, that its impossible that there wouldn't be one in, in in any of them. There wouldn't be some kind of problem in at least one of them, because it's so there's just so much embedded distortion now. So it's really hard to actually really not to to really stay on a track of truth constantly is just hard because we're we're driving on this road and the problem is that the road of truth is a very straight road, but. We have all of these pulls and and distortions that are now flowing all over the place, the mixing together of Tov and Ra into our perceptions. So sometimes we can't even really see the road clearly and we think we're seeing the road, but really we're seeing the forest on the sides and we drive off road and we just go into these other areas that are just not part of the road of truth. And so um, that's what it would be mean to be chote. That's what he says now. So that's what it says in in Megillas Ki Adam There is no person who is tzaddik in the in the land and will not be chote. There's no way there won't be some kind of slight, uh, detraction or problem or lack or distortion in the maaseh that he that that a, that a tzaddik does. And he explains the word chet means something lacking or something off. So what we're saying here essentially is that that same point that you're there's no way to really stay on the road completely and never. Uh, veer off because of this embedded lens that we now have that through which we perceive reality through the lens of what we want and what we don't want through the lens of our preferences and and everyone's preferences are different different by the way because you have all these embedded preferences in your body and 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 in your mind and emotional preferences and those things are very very personal in other words they have to do with your conditioning how you grew up what kind of family you had what kind of experiences you went through whether you were bullied or whether you were a bully i mean there's a huge array of of strengths and weaknesses that each person comes to the table with now because of this biological body that we now have. And so that all those all those different types of toves and Ras that are personal and subjective for you, that's gonna be different for the next person. So each person will have a different set of of priorities and a different emphasis on different aspects of life based on you know the different upbringings that you had and experiences that you had so one person might be very much about oh we have to always be individualistic and fight for the individual and some people will say the community is so important and some people will say that health is so important and some people will say that uh, learning is so important And these are very often uh, conglomeration uh, or sort of like an accumulation of different uh, preferences just from your own life experience. If you grow up in a household where health was very unimportant and you had a body problem because of that, you might find yourself pushing very hard on the, on the side of health as you get older. And that's really because it's a function of your past. But the irony is that on the level of truth, so health is something which is objectively, truthfully wanted by Hashem, as is learning, as is body strength, as is community, as is individuality. Each of these has its place in the framework of truth, but when you are trained and you are working through the lens of what you want and what you don't want, your preferences, so that's when you're going to start evaluating reality through that lens and picking and choosing the things that you want to emphasize, and it's often other things fall into the background and become unpreferred in your mind. Okay, so... Reading on, So when we then take a person and they enter in front of Hashem, which means to be evaluated, so this is referring to a concept that the Gemara talks about that when your body dies, so then there's this process of mishpat where you sort of get evaluated by hashem the analogy here is you think of it like a courtroom the fact of it is that when your body turns off suddenly you are exposed to the larger truth of the connection between you and hashem and you are suddenly your uh, your eyes are opened to a much deeper um, array of the network we've been discussing of the consciousness network between you and hashem and the interconnections between you and the rest of reality. And so when you suddenly see who you really are, and you also experience the types of things that you have done and manifest inside of that network, and suddenly you're exposed to the totality of all that at once, that's called mishpat. And the reason is because you are now essentially going to evaluate the contrast between who you actually are and who you thought you were throughout your time-based uh, process when you were actually man- uh, you know, experiencing yourself as blocked off inside of the consciousness network so what we call being alive. So the point is that that's what mishpat means, like suddenly the your eyes are opened, the das Tovara is removed, you suddenly see the truth of who you are and the truth of everything that you've done, and then you can assess to what degree it was in harmony with Hashem and to what degree it was out of harmony with Hashem. So that's what he says now. This, this, all these calculations are required to do this mishpat process. All the different details, your actions, your words, your thoughts, the different things that you were doing. All and all the different behaviors you had and the different uh, predilections, preferences that you were kind of more focused towards. So that those cheshbonot are because of all this complexity that we just described with so many preferences. Um, that's what it says. Adam yashar and they in their hate, Big shu'ches They uh, requested many calculations, uh, which essentially is referring to the fact that really the truth that Hashem put into us is is it was there and it was clear and straight. And now we, in our uh, adapting, adopting of this um, this lens that follows our preferences, instead it leads to the necessity of all these um, complex calculations because we are so. Capable of distorting and moving away from the truth and then sort of doing things according to our own preferences. So you can see the Zora there. Okay. This issue continued until the time of Matantoro, which is the Harsini story. Um, and that's when we encountered a shaman, what's called a mass consciousness event, um, usually described as. God met the Jewish people, gave them the Torah at the mountain. Uh, What's actually going on there is it's that um, when we were at Har Sinai, so there was suddenly this tearing open of the layers of existence, and we were exposed to the truth of the total ocean of consciousness that we are actually aspects of, and we experience ourselves as part of Hashem in a very intense way, so much so that we lost any sense of ourselves as separate beings. It's what's described by the Medrash as us dying. And so... What's happening there is that we are suddenly being exposed to the derech hayashar, the, the truth of existence, and that's something which cleanses and erases the distortion of das Tobara. That's what he says right now. osa the poison of the nachash was then ended from within us. Kemoshe like it says in the Gemara in Shavis, When the chet haegel story happened, this, the the chet of the golden calf, as it's called in English, amruchazal. So the Gemara says, and also Meseches Shabbat um, satan that the satan came and confused him. The that talks about how the satan came and he he showed a, an image of Moshe dead in the heavens. And then it confused everyone, and they thought, oh wow, like now we're going to die, and there's a much larger story behind that, what that means, and how that played out, and we're going to leave that alone for now. But basically the point that he's making here is that when it says the Satan came and did that, that the Satan uh, came from the outside. Satan here means the, uh, sort of like the, uh, he's like the character who's designed to sort of distort or give the possibility for mistakes. He he offers you the option to choose something which is going to cause problems, and Distort the consciousness network. So here the satan came. They, now for us today, and for everybody before the story of Matan Torah, the satan character, which is the same as the Nachash, so was was within us because after the story of the Nachash in the in the Garden of Eden story took place, so the Nachash became part of our way of being, which is why we have Das Tovara. That's what it said earlier, and when it said the Nachash put this infection inside of Chava, so that infection means that now that um, characteristic, that way of seeing. The idea of being actually able to perceive reality through the lens of what you want and what you don't want. That is exactly the lens that the Nachash put into us. It's also the lens the Nachash offered in the story while he was still external to us in the story of the Garden of Eden. The lens was, hey, look at this tree. Uh, And he essentially, if you read the text there carefully, so he conveyed the perspective that we have today whenever we experience something that we want, whether it's something which violates Hashem's will or is in harmony with Hashem's will, it always mirrors the process of the Nachash's description of existence that twists Chava's mind. So what we're saying here also is that the Satan character did that again in the story of Matan Torah. And he came because he was removed from our consciousness and from our, from our way of thinking, and now he came back. He came from the outside, just like the story of the of the Chet Adam As it was explained earlier. He was he was removed from within them in the story of Matan Torah. But through the Cheta Egel, so that infection returned, and got mixed in again, Yeah, there's a, a typo here, but basically um, this is what it means in the Pasuk Enoshe'ah that, that we basically went through that process a second time. This is exactly what Hashem says in the story of the Garden of Eden before they actually ended up eating from the tree. So Hashem says, The day that you eat from that tree, you will you will be most tamus, which usually is translated as you will die. Uh, means to, to stagnate in a very intense way, and it's a stagnation that leads to the separation of the intangible and the tangible. That's what stagnation always does. Whenever you stagnate, either because your body dies or if your body declines somewhat, it, the decline of the body inevitably leads to this sense of conflict between you, the self, the consciousness, and the body in its, in its very physical and very uh, mortal and uh, finite uh, materials. That's why, as people's bodies decline, they tend to often become more aware of their own existence and mortality, and their own sense of self, because the body is now not as strong, and it's harder to confuse you and pull you into thinking that you are the body, because it's much less pleasant to think of yourself as a weak, aging, dying body than it is to think of yourself as a strong, beautiful, strong body, uh, strong, beautiful, and and growing body. So what Hashem says there is. That the day that you eat from that tree, that's when you will most tamus It doesn't mean that there was like a curse here. Uh, it's not that Hashem was cursing them. It's quoting a pasuk from Eicha, that Hashem does not curse uh, and, and actually create punishments like that. What he means is that the day that you eat from that tree, on that day, there will be a mixing together of this infection of Ra mimcha, there will be no other way to fix the situation. la'ativcha uh, to separate you from it in order to make things work out better for you in the future. In other words, once you eat from the tree, so now you're in this state of, of a lower state of being, this the biological, the mixing together of the tov and ra, and the only way to fix that is to actually sift through that and, and sift it out, and that's going to require the stagnation process to allow for that. Um, to separate the tov and the ra. The only way is to do it through the process of death, and what we call death in English, uh, misa, is the stagnation process, Vahikulba kever means like the the degra- degradation, decline of the body in the ground as it remerges with the earth, and then the neshama undergoes this process uh, in parallel, which essentially is uh, designed to undo the inter interweaving and, and interconnection that is unhealthy and unbalanced. Through the das tovara uh, lens, there's also what Hashem says later. And it's what it says right after the story. And Hashem says, "Now Adam is like us, Das tovara, where he's like he's like us, that he's also Yodea tovara, just like Hashem, because Hashem is also Hashem is tovara. Hashem experiences existence through the lens of preference." Um, but the problem is that when we experience existence through the lens of preference, we only have a partial perception of reality, so our preferences have the capacity to get distorted, and then we can pr- pr- uh, prefer things that violate Hashem's preferences. So now what's saying is that, well, we became like Hashem in having preferences uh, in our evaluation of existence. And so. Uh, and so now the, the Hashem says, Well, then, That now you might come to eat from the Eitz the tree that if you eat from it, it makes your body immortal and will live forever. Why does Hashem have a problem with that? Why would Hashem mind if we become immortal? That's, that's something which He would seem to he would want that because He wants things that are good for us. What does He care if we live forever? That's a good thing. And Hashem wants good things for us. So what's so he says that but that but the answer is Here in the, if he's gonna eat from the itzahim and then live forever, there's no there's then there's no repair of this problem. menu That means that there will be no way to separate out the Tov and the ra. And he's not gonna ever see uh, the real light of existence and real good and real Hashem's preference, real evolution and growth ever, because um, the Das Tovara causes this stunted an uh, un- unbalanced type of growth but then also decline so we're not going to ever get there and therefore for the good of us so he booted us from the Garden of Eden that would then allow us to actually be able to go through a true process of Tikkun to sort of go through this phase that we call the, das, the the olam hazeh phase, and then after that phase is over, so in other words, when we experience the death process, and then that happens enough times to all the human beings in existence, that will eventually undo the damage of the snake, and then we can actually live forever after that. That's also what it means when the Gemara says in, in Masech Shabbos, and also I think it's in Baba Basra, um, there are four who died only because of the poison of the nachash. Even though those people did not have any chayt, on their own. In other words, they only die because of the Nachash and not because of anything that they did. So, what does that mean? They had no hate of their own. They still have to undergo the death process because of the mixing together initially of Ra, because of the snake story. So, there's a number of people there. I think one of them is, uh, is David Melech's father, if I'm not mistaken. Um, there's four different people who are listed there, and they essentially they died from only because of the nachash. We can call that if you want. It's kind of like dying of natural causes as opposed to dying because of a, a disease that you bring upon yourself. Like if you uh, smoke a lot of cigarettes and create lung cancer in your lungs or other kind of lung diseases. So that would obviously be more like you brought that on yourself to a certain degree. Um, in the sense that you kind of added insult to injury, whereas they only died of the natural cause of, the, of their basic mortality, that the bodies uh, fundamentally cannot live forever because of this distorted poison of the nachash inside of the system. This is going to continue until the end of the, of the process that Hashem is trying to accomplish with this phase. At that point, the death will be swallowed up forever. And there won't be death anymore there will just be endless immortal life which is that's really the discussion of olam haba which is that essentially after you go through the process of olam hazeh the distorted way of being where you get fixated on zeh which is literally olam hazeh literally means the layer of existence of fixation which is essentially a a way of being that revolves around your preferences so it will switch over to olam haba which is a layer of existence that it's always constantly evolving where there will not be decline there will only be evolution and so in that state of being that's going to be after after the resurrection process, there will be uh, immortal life, and there will no longer be death. So then also Ra will essentially be removed from the world. It will not operate in the world uh, in the way that it does now. As it says also, the the spirit of Tuma, the Ruach, the wind, uh, the the intangible quality of Tuma, which Tuma means the tendency to become embedded in our own finiteness. That's what tamal always means. Finiteness you could describe as death or really any kind of finiteness. The tendency to get obsessed with, fixated on, uh, immersed in, embedded in, pulled into, swallowed by the, your, the finite side of your existence. So Hashem going to remove that capacity. You will no longer have the ability to be absorbed and immersed in that way into the finite side of your being. So that's basically that whole haga. Let's read on into the back into the regular parts. All the So here we're we going back to what he was talking about before that. That was the merkava concept, and that was where he, before he we went into the uh, into the haga here about the Chet adamarishon. There was the concept of the merkava and the shirokoma, the structure that we have um, as 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 sort of like consciousness carriers. And our bodies are carrying this consciousness spark inside of the system itself, and so all the mitzvot are all sort of parts of, or they're sort of like describing the framework of this merkava. You can think of it as like uh, if the if you think of a regular merkava, like a car or like a wagon that carries something. So there's its physical structure, and then there's also um, so that's that, that's one aspect of the merkava that we are. But another aspect is the time. Framework, which is that we are carrying the spark of consciousness through time and the carrying of that through time there are time-based actions that we do that essentially manifest that spark of consciousness into existence. That's what the mitzvot are. Mitzvot are tools that are time-based because they can only be done within a framework of time. You have to have time to do them. Otherwise, there's no time. Then you're just frozen. There's no, there's no room to do things. So mitzvot are those, are those tools that are within the system of time that using them, you actually reveal and uncover the consciousness spark that is within you. The shir koma shalalam that's also that's the structure uh, of all the olamos, shiur koma, like we mentioned earlier, is the structure of existence. Shikom mitzvah pratis bisharsha, kolelis ribe riv van kochos, veoros misidria shiur koma. That every mitzvah is specific, in its, in its root, includes the thousands and tens of thousands of different um, forces and impacts and, and, and layers and lights, which are all just different terms for the complexity and interwoven system of existence that is uh, within the, the shiur koma. Uh, and so your uh, your actions and the mitzvot that you do essentially are are the way that you radiate your consciousness into the uh, intermingled and interwoven fabric of existence. So he's going to bring us the Zohar. Kosh Amar Zohar in Parashas Yisro. We'll just read the Hebrew. All the mitzvot of the Torah are unified in the Melech Hakadosha Elyon. So Melech Melech. Usually translated as king, so a king is fundamentally the the uh, person, self, the person who is sort of like able to see the totality of the kingdom. The kingdom is made up of many different people and resources and parts, and the king is the one who is sit- who sits above all of that in a certain way and sees the total picture of everything. And all things sort of go through the king, and the king is sort of like the unifier who is able to have a vision of the the macro. Uh, direction of the group so if each of us is kind of like a self who is um, is part of the group so then the king is the one who sort of above all that and takes all of the things that we have to give and unifies and directs them towards the higher purpose the macro purpose of the overarching group that is the purpose of a king that is what that is the word melech means Uh, incidentally there's a counterculture or there's a cultural perspective of kings which is that they are tyrants and their job is just to be annoying and get in the way and take away things from their constituents, and their purpose is to sort of uh, be you know be controlling, which is really not the purpose of a king, that is the purpose of a dictator, uh, and a, a malignant uh, leader, it operates that way, and very often people feel that way towards government, maybe because in government very often you're not so sure that the people who are governing actually have a vision and have some kind of sense of the good of the constituency in mind when they make their decisions. But the purpose of a melech is what I just described. And a kadosh elyon refers to Hashem as the melech who is kadosh that is dedicated to the purpose of existence in a way that is unwavering. Ha-elyon that is, again, above, kind of like seeing it from beyond. Mehem hem so the, we're saying all the mitzvahs are kind of unified inside of that self because all, all the, the purpose of all of existence flows out from Hashem and flows back to Hashem, and Hashem is the, is the unifier of all. So all the mitzvahs are essentially tools that are the road to and from Hashem. Mehem ve'rosha are those that flow from Hashem's head. Uma baguf, those that flow from Hashem's body, Umehem be de Hamelech, there are the hands of Hashem, Umehem Mayraglov, Beira from his feet. And these are all the, the references to head and body and feet and hands is all referencing that's called the Shi'ur coma, like we mentioned earlier. The Shi'Koma is the structure of existence. And then we have to start to figure out, we're not going to learn this now, but what exactly all these different body parts mean? Because they are all analogies for different aspects of the universe. Uh, Different parts of your body have different types of significance. And so, you know, your hands are more about your capacity to manipulate and control things. Uh, Your feet are more about your capacity to move and to support, and your mind is more about the capacity to process and grasp, and each of these things reflects different nuances of the universe as Hashem expresses Himself within it. There's also the Tikkun Zohar, which is, is, he quotes here. Okay, a uh, little bit more. Uva Zohar in Parsha's so skipping to the Hebrew again, Mitzvos HaTorah Kulan Eivarim Besod HaElyon. Mitzvos of the Torah, they are all limbs in the, in the depth and the secret and the truth of that which is beyond existence, the intangible side of existence. And when they are all unified into one, and they're, they're, they're connected properly, that's when they all come together uh, to make the, the, this one clear picture of existence. So that's the, the whole idea here, is that we're talking about these mitzvot. Mitzvos are actually tools that describe and sort of frame... Existence. So, if you are if you are a consciousness spark or hub, mini hub inside of this universe of complexity, so to navigate the complexity of the universe, so the mitzvot are like the directions to do that, and they essentially map out what existence actually is and how to move through it in a way that is in harmony with the truth of it. And so, we didn't really need the mitzvot uh, to be given to us overtly in this very concretized way, the way that they were shared in the in the in the torah originally because originally we were aware of what was true what was not we used to have what's called das ms v'sheker but now that we have das tovara we sent we tend to evaluate reality through the lens of our preferences well then in that context we have to have access to information that will actually give us a map of things that are beyond our preferences in other words we evaluate the world through our preferences and that's where we're going to have this problem where we're going to get distorted and confused and, and not live in alignment with what's real. But if we, we're we given the map of the mitzvot, which essentially are a map of, of how existence is structured, and you learn that map and you start to live by that and follow it, then you can navigate existence in a way that is going to bring you closer and closer and closer uh, to truth and to yourself and to Hashem as... That is it's sort of a map of who you are and how you work. So that's why the mitzvahs are sort of like the limbs of the she of uh, or coma, which is really just the structure of this whole network of interconnection and existence. So we'll pick up with that with the next episode. hope you enjoyed that. That was relatively clear. And we are still pushing through parikavav, so hopefully we'll finish that in the next couple of episodes. Uh, the next parts are somewhat dense, but also somewhat faster, so we'll see how, how we pull that off. Uh, looking forward to seeing you in the next episode, and have an awesome day.